What's up, everybody? Welcome to the last episode for the TCP for 2023. Um, haven't really put it together, just been having fun making episodes, but I've been at this a little over a year. Um, and uh, it just gets more and more fun talking to all the different authors and experts from thrillers to true crime to movie directors. Um, so it's just uh, it's it's been a lot more uh, satisfying than I actually ever thought it would. Um, so we are going to continue full throttle into 2024. And I already have a, a list of guests um, lined up to get us rolling. So um, I will be gone for the rest of December, but I will be back probably mid-January of 2024. And we will kick right back off where we left off. Uh, on the writing front, uh, over 30,000 words into the my first shot at a sci-fi novel. Uh, no title, of course, because... Um, those things are the worst to come up with. The only thing worse than a title is a blurb. And I know I've said this before, but um, that I'll probably won't get to the figuring out what the title is until I write the end at the first part of the manuscript. So don't hold your breath on that one. And uh, it's still coming together, uh, even though I'm 30,000 30, in. Um, so I don't have a whole lot to say about it. But uh, when we come back in January, I will have a little more to tell you. For now, the best I can get uh, best I can give you is picture 48 hours, uh, the Eddie Murphy and Nick Nolte movie, not the um, the homicide docuseries on A&E. Um, take, take 48 hours, put it in space. And um, as I say that, I wonder if that's not too old of a movie reference. Um, then that's also not my problem so if uh if, if eddie if you don't if you don't if you're not into 80s movies strongly suggest you go back to amazon and rent 48 hours um because uh it still holds up trust me it's a it will be compared to the to the comedies you see today that one would be a breath of fresh air so uh if you haven't seen it go back and see it it still holds up and uh when we come back in january i'll hopefully have 30 more thousand words done and i'll have a lot more to tell you uh, but for now, um, tie two, I've got a uh, next round of edits done. Shelly has returned those to me, uh, working out some plot kinks. You know, you get that, you get that emails like this. I, I really like this. I really like this. And then she's like, what are you doing with this? And so I'm, I'm working on the question, what are you doing with this right now? And I'm stumped. So, um, I got some stuff to fix, but by the time we get back, that will be fixed and it will be well on its way. And uh, Jeff Hayes will have a, a pretty cool cover for us to look at and um, more to share then. So let's get to tonight. Tonight, uh, A.M. Adair, author of the L. Anderson series, is back with me to talk about a new game. Uh, Miss Adair is a retired chief warrant officer from the United States Navy with over 21 years in the intelligence community, specializing in counterintelligence and human intelligence. She's been to numerous countries all around the world to include multiple tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. Her experiences have been unique and provided her imagination with a wealth of material to draw from to give her stories life. A lifelong fan of the thriller genre, she's an associate member of the International Thriller Writers. Her debut novel, Shadow Game, the first in the L. Anderson series, came out in October 2019. Uh, she also she turned that into a graphic novel, which I own, and it, it's so much fun. I really want to do that with a shattered circle at some point. Um, book two, Deeper Shadow, came out in November 2020. Shadow War followed that in 
uh, a new game uh, came out just this past October. In a new game, uh, a killer is on the loose with nothing to lose. An assassin is taking out cartel members, which I find grossly entertaining. Uh, each crime scene <laughs> leaves more. <laughs> You're supposed to be quiet until I'm done with this part. <laughs> okay. <Sorry>. Um, <laughs> uh, but each crime scene, uh, more question than answers. No one in law enforcement or intel has any leads except for Navy SEAL turned CIA operative Julian Saunders. He knows they're hunting for a ghost. Someone the U.S. government has declared dead. Joined by an elite. Uh, elite covert operations team Julian heads to New Orleans of all places searching for the only person capable of taking cartel heads on L. Anderson as the body count rises and the brutality of the kills becomes more intense he questions whether the woman they knew still exists or if by pursuing her they're signing their own death warrants um, just finished that book a couple days ago and Alma uh, thank you for coming back to talk about it of course, because like, yeah. it was so hard not to say anything like during that whole thing. You know, I apologize. You know, I, the laughter kind of, kind of <laughs> took over, but uh, you have so much going on. This is so cool, man. Congratulations. It's uh, it's been fun. You know, I, I uh, just uh, kicked off this little podcast thing after doing a couple of guest uh, spots with um with various podcasts. And I come home one day and I'm like, Erica, I'm going to start a podcast. She's like, what cool I'm like yeah cool and then I gotta figure out how to do it but I mean it's it's uh you join me like early on when I'm, mm -hmm. I'm not even sure what the audio sounds like um but uh it's just uh we get to just get on compare notes talk about our books it's it gets really creative after a while talking to people and you're just like you see how everybody does it differently it's it's just a blast oh yeah um, but like, uh, I, as far I, I love being here so thank you for having me again Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, when we talk about Elle, um, the, uh, you know, the, the, you know, she's got a team in the first set, the first three books and they're, they're off on missions. They're, they're fighting a good fight. Um, what goes on at the end of book three uh, sets us up for a, it, when you say a new game, you're not wrong. I mean, this one was, uh, um, you know, I, you're the, the action is, is always tight and it's, and it's got a dark, tinge to it even though we're we're talking about a, a heroic team but you went gritty on this one <laughs> yeah um i i i might have heard that a time or two um <laughs> and i know this is probably going to surprise you and i'm saying that with a little bit of sarcasm and anybody who's read me but you know i have a bit of a dark side and you know that one of the fun things that you know write thrillers and especially when you get into the action is you can really indulge that darker side um for a lot of us, you know, especially anybody who's, you know, done time in uniform, regardless of what that uniform is, you know, you can carry a few things with you. Dark sense of humor being number one, but then a few other lovely, pleasant things that tend to follow us after we leave service. And writing can be very therapeutic. You know, uh, I, I mentioned this before, but if I feel like strangling somebody, it is not socially acceptable for me to go out and actually strangle somebody, but I, I can do it on the page. And I can actually, you know, that's entertainment. So it's good. You know, it's very cathartic. You know, if I want to throat punch, I can throat punch, you know, using my characters. I just might not be able to do it out in the grocery store, let's say. Yeah. You just remember that face that like mm -hmm. took out your Achilles with a grocery cart. And you're like, <laughs> All right, I got a bar fight to, to write tomorrow. And that bar fight's going to go so bad for you. <laughs> I was like, oh man, I needed, I needed a villain. Here we go. 
Yeah, you just you just join the top of the list. You're going to die badly in my imagination. So, and yet it, it it is socially acceptable for me to you know indulge in those dark uh, fantasies, let's say, and it, it's actually a good you know it's a good outlet both creatively and you know mental health wise. So, yeah, and it's always <laughs> fun when we're sitting around. Um, most of the time, it's in the the. Social, most socially unacceptable spot, like at a very, you know, civilized dinner party or something like that with people <laughs> you, you don't know, mostly your spouse's friends. And uh, they find out you're a writer and they're just like, yeah, how does that work? And you just start talking about a, a particular book and you just keep talking and talking and just trying to answer the question. And they look at you, they give you that weird look and they're like, you're, mm-hmm. you're dark. You got problems. <laughs> like, I don't have problems. I have imagination. <laughs> It's like, it's like if only you know there weren't so much truth it wouldn't be as funny but all those memes uh, about the fbi or nsa looking at our browser histories like is this person you know a psychopath or like oh nope it's another writer <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, probably, yeah. probably the same <laughs> yeah i i think uh i think i opened with that one day because it was right in um tied tie two overmatch it, it starts with an attack on foreign soil in on a uh on a Navy ship. Mm. And as I'm writing, I'm, you know, I'm looking up weapon system. I'm, I'm looking up the diagrams of, of what a littoral combat ship looks like, how things are organized on it. Um, and all, and all these weapon systems and all this stuff. And I'm, and all this is open source. I'm just taking it down. And then, you know, as I get done with that opening chapter, I'm like, Ooh, like, Let's see. I got Navy systems. I got diagrams, schematics, weapons, terrorist tactics, all (laughs) rolled into one. I'm like, they're coming. They're it's coming. Like I promise minute. it's research. I promise. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, wait a minute. You used to work for us. Now he went dark. Like, I, I can't yeah. wait to see how that plays out in the papers. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I used to have a blast when they would do my security clearances for the longest time because nobody would ask you what you actually did. Like you mentioned, you know, I did a lot of counterintelligence and human intelligence. That is espionage. So when they get to your security clearance questions and they ask you, you know, have you ever committed espionage? I got the biggest kick out of saying yes. And they're just <laughs> sitting there and they're just watching their face just kind of, oh, what do I do with this? Like that absolute panic moment and, until they realize, oh, wait a minute, what do you do for a living? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eventually they got savvy and started it with a disclaimer. It says outside the course of your normal duties, which kind of ruined my fun. But for a <laughs> while, it was a blast. I am. Yeah. It's uh, (laughs) a, I just, um, I just got my latest clearance done and I think it ended up, it wrapped up in like June, but I went, I I transitioned to a different agency, took a new opportunity, um, which is kind of a unique one in the the government, but I had to go back and I had to get back to, to my, to a different clearance level. And uh, as they're going, they're like, yeah, you've been, you know, you've been out of the, this game so long you need you need to revamp it i'm like okay where's that start and they're like 20 years ago i'm like okay have at it so the whole time i'm sitting there i'm like that's when you just start wondering i was like do i have any skeletons that they missed the last four times that they investigated me and you've got you've got your inner dialogue and you're like i've been investigated four times by numerous places ever they've gone back to when i was seven so the, the logical part of your brain is like They've done this before. They're not going to fight. There's nothing new here. And, uh, but there's always that part, like, like, is, is just something crazy going to come up? Like after, and like, I, I don't have any skeletons. I'm, mm-hmm. I promise. I don't have any mm-hmm. skeletons. They would have found them, but there's still that question in the back of your head until it yeah. came back, like cleared. 
I was like, man. <laughs> well, it, I think it's a little bit of human nature, but especially when you do the things that we do, you expect Murphy. So it, oh, anytime yeah. you get into anything that's kind of like important, you expect Murphy to show up and, you know, show his ugly face and ruin your day. So, I mean, that's, it's natural for you to at any point going, oh man, how is this going to get screwed up? So I think we right. all do it. Yeah. yeah it's all, I've all only, right, I can see shock. the sunlight. Here we go. Yeah, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and something <laughs> stupid's just going to ruin it. Right? Yep. Like right here. Yep. It's uh it's, it's the same as like a like a polygraph when they ask you, "Have you ever murdered anybody?" and like, "I have never taken a human life." And then there's that little voice in the back of your head being like, "Are you sure?" Are you? I'm sure. <laughs> but then you're like, "Well, what's <laughs> the sure machine?" I would think? remember that. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure I would remember that. But what's the machine going to say, I think? <laughs> No, it's like I think it, I think that's something they they've started to account for because you know for a long time there was a bunch of people doing polygraphs that were coming back inconclusive and it was just because the polygraphers were not asking the right questions. Yeah. So I think they've moved past that, but it, it is it does all of it creates unique experiences for us. So like it, it with your books, you know, which I love your characters, they are so awesome and, you know Thank if i you. if i had worked with you know ty as a as an ncis agent i might not have bad mouth ncis as much as i did and I, <laughs> I say that lovingly because i have ncis guys who i absolutely would take a bullet for and a few mm, not away. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but reading that like the 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 banter the dialogue the mentality i was like it felt real to me but, you know, you, you can't get that without having these experiences of, you know, sitting and having that moment of doubt, even though you haven't done anything, it, it makes it feel real. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, and it's uh, it, yeah, it's just um, it's so much fun when you can take something and I've, I've never like done the biography like here I was, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> But you can draw on it, like like you've said, you draw on that world that you lived in, and then you make it so much fun, and sometimes so over the top. Um, but well, there's always that yeah. shred in there that, like, people in that that service life, if they're reading it, being like, "Oh, I've been there. Like, I know yep. exactly what that joke meant." You know, yeah. Yeah. it's like, well, with yeah. um, my first three books, you know, when I when I started writing, I envisioned a trilogy, and so you know, in a lot of ways that helped me, in a lot of ways that hamstrung me um, because I'd planned out for a trilogy. So I parsed things out in the books and well, that makes it hard when you're doing a series to make everything a standalone. But then I, my editor, my agent kept going like, well, can you give us more here? Give us more here. And I'm like, no, I'm going to do that in the next book. Like, well, you haven't written that book. You need to focus on this book. I'm like, <laughs> but um, I, I would get comments from people who would read it and be like, first book it'd be like when, when you said you know bag drag it was like I was immediately there with you I was like I understood you know just like those little nuances that you know the the way somebody delivers a line or you know a descriptor about a place or you know how somebody acts you know it puts everybody back in that moment you know, kind of that sensory involvement and it really makes a book jump out and the story stand out in somebody's memory and mm -hmm. I had a lot of fun with my trilogies um my trilogy I should say um but it was almost like a marker for that time and place. It was like I started writing right. while I was still active duty. Um, everything got put out essentially or completed while I was still active duty. So a new game is the first book I've done since I've retired. And, you know, a different perspective, different viewpoints. And, you know, so I, I approach things a little differently. Yes, it's darker, but that's because I was having a whole lot of fun. <laughs> with right. you know, what direction my characters could go. 
Yeah, like you're saying, over the top. <laughs> yeah, and we talked about that the the first time you're on, like um, in uh, that and reading the I, I think I started with with the first L book, but when I reached out to you, it was because I I started off and like right right from the get go, L is joining the team already in place in theater and um like i could feel the dust i could feel that moon dust the moon dust just yeah. <laughs> just coating me again and and i was like you, you just the way you describe that that clapboard lifestyle and just uh, uh just the the you know thriving despite the just nasty conditions sometimes it was like i was like yeah we should talk like i was <laughs> it was such a genuine setting that you set in those places i was like yeah but it's but it's yeah it's just that authenticity that that thread that's there that people are going to be like oh yeah but like in, in some parts like the the moon dust coming back there's like oh <laughs> right <laughs> um and it's kind of the same thing when when my um beta readers uh will will read over like a, a new book that, that when i get one back that's like just ha 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 just like laughing i'm like yeah okay that that one still rings true because it's always an, an, an age, like a u.s marshal or an agent or, mm-hmm. or somebody and uh and when they can see it they, i'm like okay they can i can still relate right yep yep <laughs> yeah it's like, I, I think that was part of the reason you know um because with the new series like i this is going to be a multiple part so you know this isn't a spoiler you know i i do intend there to be at least one more book if not two depending on how things play out you, you understand this you know mm-hmm. once you get into that world and your characters start talking to you things might shift a little um but since my perspectives changed i didn't want it to still have so much a military flavor i guess um i wanted to branch out a little bit more and so that's what i did and you know having having l go after the the cartel was just well that's just fun and then I also wanted to bring out a new protagonist. You know, everybody always says you only have one real protagonist, you know, and Elle's kind of my girl. Um, but I brought Julian Saunders, you know, the seal that I introduced in the first three books as a more of a protagonist position. I really wanted the story to be more about his kind of coming into where he's going next. He's a SEAL who's transitioning into this covert operations world. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, SEAL, SEAL can do that. Well, SEAL does a lot of clan stuff, but not covert. That's a totally different world. And for somebody like I wanted Julian in all of this to kind of be the light to her dark. You know, he is the quintessential good guy while she's morally flexible. Yeah. Um, And so playing that off of each other, which is what I do in a new game, you all have a chapter from his perspective a chapter from her perspective you know the light in the dark of that I had a lot of fun with and so this whole thing is essentially like you talked about getting to the end of writing and then coming up with your title I essentially did the same a new game is you know pretty giant metaphor not only is it a new mission but there are new roles new positions you know new stakes everything is brand new for these characters and they're all learning how to navigate that yeah, it's uh, it, it made me wonder while I was reading it, um, putting L in a different role, um, so to speak. You know, she's mm-hmm. she's on the run uh, this time. She's she's off on the the team in support is is not with her for a lot of it, and they're they're at odds. Um, it kind of points to a, a bigger question I'll ask in a minute. But um, what when you changed that character's role? How did that? Did you have any when you were looking at it, you're like? Were there any steps where you're like, I'm going to write this and I don't know if I can come back from it? Like if I change my mind and I want to throw her back on something, I, 
you know, were you conflicted at all when you, when you took her off in this direction? Actually, she took me in this direction because originally what I was, I, I was envisioning kind of a, uh, first blood kind of thing, you know, having yeah. like this chasing thing between, you know, the team and L like where they were going after her, and it almost become adversarial at that point. Um, kind of like, you know, the sheriff and John Rambo did in the books or in the book. Um, but once I started writing, it didn't go that way. And so I, I am a big believer in letting your characters talk. So I kind of had a framework of what I wanted to do for the story. And then I just let the characters unfold for, in front of me. And it did go in a little bit different direction. Um, it almost went much darker. It, you know, you've read it, so you might be a little surprised by that. But it almost went much darker, but it just didn't fit for the overall storyline. So my more darker thoughts ended up spawning a novella, which is what I'm working on now, which is nice. going to be a standalone. And it's something that I'm going to put out here, you know, after the new year. Um, but I really kind of played with a much, much darker, almost a um, psychological thriller. So it's going to be a little bit different. For oh, there me. you go. Um, but it's, you know, I didn't want to waste kind of the, uh, the thought train that I had with this one. Yeah, and like, you don't I'm, want to I'm trying not to give it away. Well, yeah. I'm going to say my my standalone, um, my protagonist is going to be a serial killer. So I'm, oh, I'm I like that. going to have a field day with this one. <laughs> I, I can totally see how you were able to peel that out of a new game. <laughs> I can totally see. Yep. <laughs> so and it, yeah. and it it's 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 dark, and it, I'm I'm really kind of playing with the whole the mind thing on that. So I it's a different direction for me. It's going to have a, a bit of a different flavor, and I'm hoping people are going to enjoy reading it as much as I'm enjoying writing it. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun. Oh yeah, especially that, that brings me to another question. You you know, you talked about uh, switching perspectives and kind of you know the writing reflecting you know where you were at one point and where you're going. Mm -hmm. Um, you got four books, four books in now. Um, and I, and I like asking this question of writers, but when you look back can you see, uh, what, where your evolution has been from one to the next to the next. Oh, I, I, I look back at what I wrote in my debut and I love my debut. Don't get me wrong, but I, I, I kind of get that little bit of a gut clinch. Like, I, I really could have done better, but again, you don't know what you don't know. You know, I, when I set off, I had a much different, you know, perspective, vision. Yeah. I, there's a whole lot of lessons learned, um, that you can only get from having those experiences. And then with each successive book, I've learned a lot more lessons. Yeah. I've gotten my teeth kicked in by my editor so many times. It's not even funny, but with each, you know, blow, I do learn, <laughs> you know, surprisingly, um, she gets out her metaphoric red pen of death and, you know, I, after I whimper, pull myself out from underneath my desk, you know, I get to work and then I, I do better the next time. You know, the next manuscript I turn in is a lot more, you know, polished. There's a lot less red pen, so to speak, coming back to me. Um, my stories tend to have a little bit more um, flow and all the things that she's looking for. So I do feel pretty confident that especially with the success of the third book that this fourth book is going to be equally successful. I mean, Shadow War won uh, Independent Press Award. It was nominated at Killer Nashville for, you know, uh, best book in uh, action adventure category. And I think a new game 
is going to do the same this year. I think I'm going to take that category at Killer Nashville this year. And um, I am also, you know, I'm confident I'm going to come back with the Independent Press Award. I'm going to throw her in for the New York City Book, Big Book Award as well. And I'm feeling pretty, oh, yeah. I don't want to say cocky, but yeah, yeah, a little cocky. Go about strong. It. Yeah. Go, go, <laughs> go 100% or don't go yep. at all. Right. Yep. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it's, it, it's always, it comes back when I, when I'm especially writing, uh, like the next in a, in a series. And I actually never until Ty, I never planned on writing a, a series. Cause I just, I get a great scene in my head or I got a, a character in my head and I'm like, okay, what do we build off this guy? And it's evolved. Like my shattered circle books evolved to the next story because I, another character popped up that I knew would be a perfect foil for Jackson Cole. And now with that one, I'm like, okay, I got an idea how to wrap this up and just blow everything up. And I'm like, you got it. But when you're writing it, you got to go back to like, number one, make sure I get these names right. Okay, this happened here. Make sure I get those wound placements right and stuff like that. And I'm just like, every time it's like, I would never write that. Right. <laughs> I, go, I, I, would, I, I can't believe this guy put this in this book. And it's and it's something no one else would notice. But it's like, if there's a had or a, or a they or a the that's not supposed to be there anymore, that doesn't justify its position it's like oh just hard to look at but Uh, we uh, all end up with our little things we all do yeah it's it's (laughs) it's funny how that uh how that comes about but um but yeah it's uh it kind of um morphing that into process to bring it back to l for a minute but the uh Mm -hmm. the way you wrapped up and i already told you this but the way you wrapped up a new game i was just like let's go it was like just um seeing how that last scene wrapped up and I'm just like, this is going to get to be a lot of fun. Cause there were so many, it was like the chessboard, but instead of the, instead of, you know, taking the King in this, in this last chapter, you just kind of rearrange the chessboard to just start on part two. And I was like, Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. So everybody's just spinning out, going their different directions on the, on their own missions. I'm like, I can't wait. Like, it's just, uh, but it, my question is like, did you have that? sketched out already or did were you like wrapping up and being like i have a way i want to re- end this but my character's saying you're not going to end it this way because there's too much fun over here so did you end it with the cliffhanger and be like oh now i gotta figure out something cool to do <laughs> i actually i have a little bit more in my head already so it i ended it where i did because i thought it was the most strategic way to set things up for the next part but i already had more And so I did kind of get into it with my editor a little bit about where I ended it and whether or not that was going to be a good idea or not. So I know it's, I know it's a risk to end on a cliffhanger, uh, but we eventually finessed it a little bit. So even though it is a cliffhanger, it still has kind of that message of hope. It kind of ends on an upbeat and it's not that it's not a complete downer. It's like, we're not talking, you know, empire strikes back where everything, you know, Han's gone and Luke loses his hand and everything's gone to shit. Um, it's like so yes things are not good but you don't feel like every the world is crashing down so that's why i did that it was a strategic decision so um the biggest change though on how everything played out it was i wanted julian to be the protagonist i wanted l to kind of back out l refused so i ended up doing more of a Port and starboard, you know, like two protagonists throughout the story. And there, I think in the, I wouldn't have been doing it justice if I hadn't allowed that to happen. Yeah. So 
And there's going to be a lot more fun with these guys. Julian is going to continue to be like my central character uh, for this portion, this storyline. Um, and then so Elle will back out a little bit, but because, you know, she is such a strong character and well, I kind of like keeping her around for some strange yeah. reason. Uh, she's still going to be there. <laughs> well, and it's, and it's kind of like, I don't know, I, I, to take like Julian's place is like, you got the spotlight, bud, but just know that there's like a hawk circling. So yeah. watch your back. <laughs> it's, it's like of all the characters I would like nipped in the bud if I was going to take over a series, it'd be her because you just you're just wondering where she's coming from next, uh -huh. right? <laughs> I say, and I think that yeah, you know, as a writer, creatively, that gives you a lot of fun because if you've made somebody who is the equivalent, you know, of you know a hurricane that you really don't know how much damage they're going to do or when they're going to strike, you know, that can be a lot of fun when you're dealing with you know a thriller or an action novel. Um, but I liked the idea, especially with Julian being kind of such a good character. Like he is a very stand-up good hero classic hero type of character um and i enjoyed having that you know because i'm you know, i'm a nerd I, I like having you know like the, the quintessential knight in shining armor good guy um especially when my protagonist is not and so that right. it, it, I, it was something i could easily justify but now that he's he's getting his hands dirty i really want to play with that character development i really want to go into his arc of him getting way outside his comfort zone and having to do things that he normally would not do for the quote unquote greater good. Um, and, and you know, that those challenges. Yeah. And, uh, and I just like the fact that it wasn't like, um, you know, with, with sometimes with our characters, we build them up so much. It's when it's like the Superman syndrome, like he's so strong, like who are you going to throw him up against? But mm -hmm. with Julian, the way it ended, it was like, uh, you got a new role, bud, and nobody's going to show you how to do it, but there's yep. nobody that can. So it's Viac and Diaz, bud. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just love it when they're just thrown out in the middle of the, just thrown in the grinder. It's like, well, maybe you might figure it out or you might just end the world. We don't know. Yep. And that's, and that's why I chose yeah. that way, the, the ending that I did, because there there's more that I want to do. And I really do think I'm doing the, the character arc and the character development the most justice by ending it like that. Um, extra added benefit of it being a cliffhanger and being a little fun. Um, yeah. But it, it did add um, onto the pressure of now I really have to deliver with the next book to make sure that I don't piss off everybody. <laughs> right so, especially your editor yep oh my god she'll be brutal <laughs> brutal you you might so, actually hear me whimpering right yeah i'm, I'm just uh every you know whenever those uh whenever that feedback comes in it's like um but yeah i i really like the year i'm almost like well i'd kind of like to go in this way and they have so many smart reasons why not and it's like Ugh, i'm gonna I'm gonna go this way in there when they finally say okay you're like thanks coach i think All right yeah yeah i think i think thanks yeah. Uh, we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's, um, that I, I just, uh, I like it. So, we, uh, so you kind of cut, so if I'm understanding correctly, you kind of cut new game off early to be able mm -hmm. to develop further plots instead of the original wrap up you had planned. You just yep. were like, let's stop it here and, and, and just continue. That's yeah, that's good. Cause I was, that's what I always wonder. Cause I've, like I said, I've never, sketched out like the cliffhanger and then been like crap i gotta figure this out <laughs> you know it's it's always i guess it's always good to have a roadmap instead of just like driving off a cliff and then coming up with a good idea but um but yeah i um I, 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 
I'm a pantser. Uh, um, I've only recently, um, I wouldn't say learned, but embraced the idea of doing outlines, but it wasn't for a novel. You know, it was like, I'm back in school. Um, I'm doing my screenwriting degree. And at, part of that is developing a film. And so one of my courses made me do an outline for a feature film, an original feature film. And so that was really kind of the first time I've had to actually force myself to sit down and do an outline for an entire story. And truthfully, it wasn't as terrifying as I thought. <laughs> and it ended up <laughs> being beneficial. And it's something that I think that I can kind of merge and work because usually I just kind of like you, I have a scene in my head. I have a scene and I got to get it on paper. It just, and usually things kind of develop based off a scene or around a scene. Um, and I'll usually just have a general start point and a general end point, And then I just play in between those hash marks. Um, but to actually have to do a 16B outline for a feature film, it's forced me to look at things differently. And it's forced me to embrace the idea of doing the outline mainly because perfect example, you have a fantastic idea. Do you spend all your time writing a script that somebody might not ever buy? Or do you just write a 16B outline, give it to somebody and say, hey, what do you think of the story and have them go, oh yeah, go ahead and develop it. I'm going to pay you to now write that script. And you there have, you go. Yes. Or, yeah. Yeah. or spend all your time writing something that nobody will ever see that now gets shelved. But you have the 16 bead outline. So it says, Hey, it's good, but not for now. Uh, I take, you know, that what four pieces of paper and I put it in a folder and I put it up somewhere. And if I want to develop it later, I haven't lost the idea I have. I have it mainly fleshed out and it makes it a lot easier to pick back up and run with it. Like, but you didn't spend weeks, months writing a script, yeah. but same idea. Now transitioning into the screenwriting world, starting as a novelist, like I've, I would love to, and I've played with it a little bit. Um, cause I noticed at one point, like, as I, cause I'm, I'm a diehard outliner, like it, uh, wherever that scene <laughs> starts, whether it starts with a character or starts with a scene, I, I nail the, I, I get a hook and I get an end and then I build the roadmap in between the two. And as I was sketching out, it was this new one, the, um, the, uh, the uh, 48 hours in space. I don't know why that sticks in my head, but that's what it is. Um, as I was doing that, I'm like looking at it as at my outline and I'm like, this is basically a screenplay because the screenplay is, is very tight. I mean, you've, you've got to stay within a, a prescribed page number. Um, and for me, it's always been like, what the hell is a slug line? And why do I have to capitalize this? And yes, why is it all center spaced? It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but this this time, because I had just looked at it, because I I started um, probably a year or two ago, I would download like the screenplays, like just grab Avengers. And then as mm -hmm. I'm watching Avengers, just like kind of flip through to try oh, to connect the two. It. Yeah, it's so cool because yep. it's the format is alien to me. But then when I see it on the screen, I'm like, oh, this makes a lot of sense. So when I was outlining my um, my sci-fi, I opened up a second window in Scrivener and opened up a, uh, a screenplay. Uh, model so I just drop the two in and kind of add those weird formatting things I'm like this is starting to make sense so I I'm experimenting in it um but uh but yeah it's it's it for forever is such a foreign concept but did you what yep. was your what was your trouble in in going from I can write a hundred thousand words but now I have to do it in 90 pages in a in an outline form so 
I, you know what, what you mentioned it earlier doing the graphic novel version of shadow game. Um, I think that actually kind of helped me shift my mentality a little bit. So it wasn't as foreign. It's still foreign. And don't get me wrong. It's, it's learning a new world and, you know, learning a new formatting and methodology. Um, but because I had already gone and took, took my own source material and turned it into a visual medium, I'd already learned quite a bit about what can actually be seen, like what can be shown and not necessarily thought and, you know, internalized, you know, having to tweak the storyline to make it the best visual element is what we did with the graphic novel. Um, so now when I'm writing scenes and, you know, my professors are, you know, doing the whole show don't tell thing, it means something totally different than it does in a novel because it literally is what can you see on the screen? Yeah, watch watch it. Yeah. yeah. Like, what are you seeing? You know, and so having to do the action sequences or little bits of narration in there, you're, you have to choose your words carefully because you don't want, you want the scene, you want to set it, but you're also not trying to tell the actors how to act or the director how to direct. So you got to get just enough in there that they can get the feel and they can really invest and buy into what's happening in the scene. Um, and they can be inspired in their own right. But if you start telling them like, hey, you need to cut to this angle here, put the camera here, actor, you need to act this way then suddenly you're going to be doing rewrites or they're just going to tell you to take your script and jam it because they're also artists and professionals and they need the leeway to do their job. Yeah. So telling, it, telling the doctor how to do surgery. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, um, so, you know, I tried to teach myself, you know, and I probably could have, but I was running into so many like little nuanced things that, you know, with the formatting and verbal, you know, the, the vocabulary, the lexicon of everything, like just really wasn't grasping. And it's because there's so much that is just kind of organizational knowledge. And it doesn't necessarily translate to like picking up a book and teaching it to yourself. So, you know, formatting wise, I could figure out, but going to class and actually, you know, having the professors talk about well, this is what it's like on set. This is what people mean. This is like this is the terminology that is most common for them to use. Like some people will say this, but what they really mean is this, you know, those type of things that you really only get by living the life has proved to be extremely valuable. It's, um, you know, I'm learning not just the technique, but kind of those, those fundamental, like just being immersed in that world, um, building blocks. And it, yeah. it's, it's money. And I would highly recommend anybody who's trying to write a screenplay. Don't, don't try to do the formatting on your own. Just don't, don't. There's uh, get get final draft. That's kind of the industry standard and it will literally do it for you. So save yourself the sanity and get the software that will format your script for you. <laughs> uh, good, good news to know now. I've only been struggling with it like five <laughs> sorry, years. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you, you can still do it. You can, you can pick it up now for your next script or, you know, even transfer one over, but uh, highly, highly, highly recommend that. Just don't even try to tab over. Don't even try to make yeah. it look right. Cause I swear to God, they will know. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm one of the, I'm slow in the uptake anyway. I'm really good at jumping into things and then figuring out how to do it later. So mm -hmm. like, I just, I'm like the guy who just found Scrivener three books ago. Like I was mm -hmm. writing, I was like just banging it all out of word and then just stumbled into it. I was like, Oh, this is so much, this is how they do it. <laughs> you know? So, so yeah, I just, I'll just scribble out, you know, handwrite a couple screenplays and then be like, oh, they have something called final draft. I can just 
throw it in there. Okay. Yep. That's, yep. Yeah. Check that box. I'm now I'm catching up a little bit. <laughs> well, but this is why we all talk and you know, why this, our community is so cool. Cause our community will all like, Hey, you, I heard you're doing this. What about this? And like, you know, here's, here's my recommendations. Here's my lessons learned. Like, Hey, this is why I would do it. Um, and from what I understand, you don't get that in other communities. You don't, um, I, I, I like the romance community I've heard is completely backstabby, which kind of fits considering the genre but yeah for you know the thrillers you know thriller guys you know the thriller verse we're all pretty tight and we're all very supportive and it goes beyond just like hey your book is awesome it goes into the the craft and it goes into like here lessons learned marketing you know recommendations for agents recommendations for editors um and i think that's because we all want each other to be better yeah it's like because yeah, then it's... if everybody around me ups their game i gotta up my game too yeah, it's such a healthy, and I don't even think I can call it competition, but it's just everybody's on the same team and everybody wants to see everybody be successful. And um, though we're all playing in the same marketplace, I don't, I've, you know, everybody doesn't see each other as, as you know, somebody I need to stab in the back. It's like, hey, if you read my book, you're going to love Adair's book or you're going to love Bishop's yep. book or, yep. you know, anybody. So it's, it's, um, yeah, it's it's a like I said, it's it's a wildest uh, wildest thing that that to learn is just seeing how cool everybody is with each other. Because I've, I mean, I don't you've probably had the same experience, but you go to book conventions and uh, you know those big signings, and then you'll see those people who are really really frustrated because there's they're not selling a book a minute, and they came here to get rich, and it's like you're you're not going to get rich nope, here. You're here not. to talk to people and network. And then you see the other ones that are looking sideways and they, they are, they're not thriller. They're not thriller writers that do that. It's you're absolutely right. It's funny. Yep. Um, it's, and it's because I think we're all fans first. We're fans. We're readers. Yeah, first. That's where we came and from. Yeah. Exactly. And we all understand that. Well, yes, we want success on our own. You're putting out what, maybe a book a year. What else are you going to read 364 days a year? And so we all want each other to do awesome because I want more material. So yeah, give right. me more books, get me more books yeah. on my bookshelf. And, you know, you know, who knows what you might be inspired by? You know, it'd be, I would be honored to have somebody pick up my book who is also an author and go, man, that really just kind of got my juices going. And I felt inspired to write like <laughs> victory, like I throw yeah. the touchdown flag right there. Let's go. And it's fun. Um, you know, I, I, when I started, when I decided to dedicate to the thrillers and I started out playing around in the horror genre and then, um, playing around in the fantasy genre. And when I decided to really dedicate to the crime thriller, cause you write what, you know, um, mm -hmm. I, I went for a while where I was like, I don't want to read, um, Vince Flynn right now. I don't want to read, I don't mm -hmm. want to start Jack Carr series because I don't want to write something and then end up like stealing it like you know because i so i was like reading the most off the wall stuff possible and it wasn't until i came back and started the the tcp that you know my tbr is just full and it's like you know, <laughs> yeah. crime, you know true crime is cool but i need to balance it with the thrillers um because you get you know you do 10 episodes of true crime talking about serial killers and things get dark so i'm gonna let me get creative for a minute and it's and i and it's just um hasn't it thankfully hasn't been that way like i haven't seen myself being like oh you know sketching something out and be like seen it <laughs> you know yeah you you stole that and like no i didn't but uh that for oddly like probably the same reasons we talked about earlier with the uh polygraph and the background investigations i didn't want to like have that voice in the back of my head being like who'd you steal this from you know yep but uh, like, yeah. i think we all probably do something like that you know or most of us have been through a phase where you don't want to have somebody else's voice in your head when you're trying to work out your own story but i've 
actually started to come around to the idea that it can be helpful to, it's almost like a palate cleanser, you know, especially if you're at a point where you're at a transition or you're, or you're struggling to get somebody else's voice in your head for a little bit and then come back with fresh eyes and look at your own again, it really can help you just, you know, flesh out a better story. Um, So I, I think it's how you approach it and how you view it. I mean, obviously nobody wants to plagiarize anybody else's stuff, but unless you are, actively trying to do that. I think once you go back for rewrites in editing, which you do a million times anyway, you're going to catch it. So the the risk of having that actually happen without it getting caught and you being able to, you know, address it uh, is probably fairly minimal. Yeah. And I've seen that, uh, that, that refreshing, like, uh, especially, I don't know if you've seen this, but like, you, you know, you already opened the door, so I don't sound crazy when I say it, but when the character's voices start sounding the same like uh like this they're always like like i'm like i have a great idea and i can just see ty in my head being like i'm not doing that (laughs) you know um but at some point during that first draft you've got like your main character and then you've got your supporting characters and if they all start having the same voice it's like Mm -hmm. oh i gotta stop because i i've got a monologue here so you just stop go read something go read something else just close it for a minute and it comes back and your characters suddenly have their identities again it's I've, it's it's good to, like you said, cleanse it every now and then. Get out of your own head. This is yeah. another one of those communities where you can talk about the voices in your head and nobody <laughs> thinks twice about it. You're like, it is totally fine. normal. Yeah. yeah, that's absolutely fine. Yeah. But yeah they, I uh, have a coffee mug that actually says, you know, I know the voices in my head aren't real, but they have some great ideas. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. like, that's where they come from. That's exactly where they come from. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. civilians uh, might look at me a little weird, but. We get it. <laughs> so used to it. Yeah. So used to it. it. There's only so many off the wall, off color jokes you can tell in, in normal company before you're like, I understand. And honestly, my wife is so used to apologizing for it that, that it's <laughs> like, she's like my, my hype man. Like, <laughs> like, and, and she'll see it. She'll be like, uh, she'll just see the, um, the, the, off the wall story coming out. She's like, no, no, no. I need you for a minute. I just, need yeah. You. <laughs> let's intervene. <laughs> they're not going to think it's as funny as you think it is i've had to do that a few times both my husband and i are retired navy and so we both have pretty twisted sense of humor which is great when we're just bouncing off each other but there's been a few times we've been out and he's starting to go down a path that i know where this is going i'm like no like grabbing him scuff for the neck like no this is not gonna go well yeah you know this is a church function right Like, I'm pretty sure our neighbors don't need to hear that story. We have to live next to these people. That's right. <laughs> Wait for a few beers, maybe. Yep. Yeah. It's uh yeah, it's it's funny, but when you get a group of us together, even though even if it's you know, depending on whatever service or you know, police, law enforcement, uh, whatever the service life was, you just get complete strangers together and suddenly it's the, like the most raucous table at the bar and everybody's just looking at you like you're a bunch of whack jobs. And just like, yeah, but you know, I've never met this person in my life, but we're hilarious together. Yep. <laughs> At least and we like, think so. This yeah. is a full stepbrothers moment. Like, did we just become best friends? Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes, yes, we, we did. sure did. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And uh, and we did it talking about like a car accident or something. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> yep. Yep. Usually yep. the the worse the scenario, the funnier it's gonna get. Yeah, exactly. Um but uh, yeah, so you mentioned doing the novella and I am um, mm-hmm. looking at, I, you know, I never really thought about the novellas until um, uh, 
Bishop put out his, A Ransom Daughter, earlier mm-hmm. in the year. And I'd never, I'm always a novel guy because I like digging into a long form. I can I can depend on this friend to be in my life until it's over. So when I read his, um, I was like eyes open to the market there. I think, you know, and how fast everybody's life is these days and um, how little time, you know, between the kids, the work, the everything else that drags at you to have a, a novella length work to to go into it's it's like boom 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 and you're ready for the next one i uh yeah. did you put any thought into the i think there's a market there i th- i know that the if you go on if you google it they're going to say different things about it but did you were you like yes there's a way to serialize these novellas and i think there's a there's an audience to capture with that i think there's an audience for it um the problem with novellas is generally speaking publishers don't want to touch them so um if you aren't your own cheerleader and if you aren't putting out, you know, essentially your own messaging about it, the chances are it's just going to disappear unless you have a already have a devoted fan base. And, you know, where at which point you are grabbing anything you can that's about the characters that you love. Now, you do something that's standalone. Again, it, you're trading on your name recognition. And if you don't have that, then again, it is a hundred percent up to you to tell everybody why they need that book because publishers don't see that there's any money in it. And I think that is a bit of a mistake because exactly like you said, if you have a good story and, you know, people want that beach read, they want that, you know, like that short, just like, Hey, let me get something, you know, maybe scratch the itch until that next novel comes out from the author. I like, um, there is that opportunity in that market for it, but you're going to have to work for it. Um, I think what um, kind of that collaborative thing that's going on with the you know, Silverback Publishing is going to be epic, um, yeah. mainly because, you know, all the people that are involved with it are top notch dudes. And so you have, you know, some killer authors, you have the guys from Best Thriller Books um, there, you know, some of those dudes have all come together and came up with this idea because, you know, there were authors who had absolutely amazing stories to tell and nothing to do with them. And so they wanted to do something with it. Now we'll see if it actually can, you know, materialize into being the big thing, you know, because best thriller books started out as kind of like nobody knew who these guys were. And now they've really evolved over the last couple of years. Um, And I think Silverback's probably going to do the same because people are going to realize, hey, these are great stories that are coming out of here. Readers have the opportunity to, you know, talk to the author, to have a say in the covers, to get yeah. arcs, you know, all the fun stuff that we as nerds and, you know, lovers of reading really get into, you're going to have that opportunity to do with a bunch of authors and a bunch of novellas. And I think that's going to be just cool as hell, but it's going to be money. Yeah. It's such a new mode. I I, yeah. I really like the premise of what they've opened up. So I, I think, uh, but yeah, I just, I see that novella market. I, I just see it really working and I'd, hope I, I've, my, my books are like, I'm, I'm marked out. Like I would love to just, you know, knock out good, you know, 45, 50,000 words and, and throw it out. Just a nice quick hit in between novels. But my, my, I don't know if you're, pl- you plan the same way, but I'm like, I got, I'm um, finished up sci-fi, going back to tie, going back to sci-fi, going back to fantasy. And I'm, I'm like, if I look at it and I look at the timeline of what my future plans are, I like, I'm, I'm booked five years out. I'm like, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to think about. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yep. Well, hey, but at least you have a five-year plan, as they say. I got but a five-year plan. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> and if and if that works for you, by all means, man, run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I think part of the part of being a writer 
is acknowledging that your schedule's never really going to be your own and you're going to have to find a groove that works for you for it to be have any lasting um staying power and i mean because anybody can do anything for a short amount of time you know everybody can meet deadlines everybody can really push hard when they need to um but if you want to do this full time and if you want to make it a career you're gonna have to have the discipline to really hone your craft and then put in the time every single day um and you know that might not work for everybody but if you've got five years planned out man then i'd say you're golden it's a plan. Yeah, it is a plan. But yeah, but I mean, if, as long as you, like you say, look at it as a second career that may or may not pay, yeah. right? Well, <laughs> or it's an it's, obsession, in which case. There you go. You know, it, I, I like to look at it and I know I'm in, I'm in a very unique position because I'm retired. So I don't have to have another income stream. I am not actively pursuing another career. I'm doing this because I like it. This is, this is a creative outlet for me. I really, I do want to be successful. Not going to lie. But I I have no illusions about being a New York Times bestseller. I have, you know, I am not going to be the next Jack Carr. It's just, it's not in the cards. But I do it anyway, because this is what I like to do. I like telling stories. And so for me, I, I can easily make these decisions about what to write and when to write, because it is still a labor of love and a passion and not something I feel beholden to. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's what I'm looking at too. I, I I'm not retired yet, but I can't wait. You'll I'm get very there. jealous. I'm very jealous of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Retirement's fantastic. It takes it takes yeah. some time. It takes uh, your the transition. That word is very apropos. It it takes some getting used to, and it'll sneak up on you when it actually hits. Like, oh shit, this isn't exactly as smooth as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Having, having a plan, I guess is a very important. Yeah. Yeah. Having a plan, but also being okay when your plan goes to shit. Like remember Murphy and he yep. will be waiting for you on the other side. So give yourself the grace uh, to figure out what really works for you take time for you and, you know, trust that it's, it's going to work out. You know, just all the best planning in the world will not fully prepare you for it. So you just got to kind of take it with a grain of salt, roll with the punches. You'll be fine. Yep. Just keep grinding. That's, yep. that's all it is. Just yep. continue the grind. Yep. But, um, but uh, I've kept you almost an hour now and I, you know, I know you've got the, the, the wee ones uh, to, uh, to get yep. handled. I've got, uh, I've got the same. So. No, I get uh, it. My husband actually took them to go get haircuts, which is why you didn't see me get attacked or you didn't hear any screaming in the background. Um, but yeah, they're probably returns probably imminent. You're right. I should, start, yeah. I should probably start playing like the Imperial March when my son comes home. That would be fitting. <laughs> if if you can, uh, you know what? Now that you say that, if I could replace like my ring camera tone with the Imperial March, that'd be awesome. So whenever, <laughs> like you, when they're when they're coming home, you just hear them coming, like the Emperor is walking down the the shuttle steps. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, yep, uh, game time. Let me yep. stretch because I'm about to get my butt kicked by a ten year old. <laughs> He's like, I'm not sure who's worse, you know, you know, like Emperor Palpatine or, you know, my four-year-old. So uh, I'm pretty sure every day I'm witnessing a supervillain origin story. So nice. it's, <laughs> it's only a matter of time. Just just a matter, <laughs> just try to guide one way or the other, just out of jail, just out of jail. <laughs> yeah. You can be as gray as you want, just not, don't get yeah, indicted. Yeah, yeah just <laughs> yeah. plausible deniability. Right. But um, yeah, before I let you go, thanks for uh, thanks for joining me and um, your website, amadare.com, if I remember correctly. And uh, correct. you're on IG and Twitter. 
I am. I am. So I, I'm on the the social media. So threads, uh, Instagram, X, uh, what's the other one? Damn it. F- Facebook. Damn it. Yeah. TikTok. Are you, you doing, <laughs> oh, you doing no, weird no, TikTok no, dances? No, yeah. no I, I avoid TikTok still. Uh, yeah. Too much OPSEC for me to go on TikTok. And I, I it, I, can't. It's, it's old habits die hard. <laughs> I cannot bring myself to download the app. I can't do it. <laughs> But, yeah, I had it for a little while and I cringed every time just thinking of just, I just couldn't, yeah, that, uh, that, that trauma is still me. there. It's yeah. hard enough for me to have, um, LinkedIn. I was like, I like in the, like my, the hair on the back of my neck stood on it. I'm like, no, I can't. I, yeah. I, I, I'm a civilian now. I can do this. I can do this. Right. And, and it's, uh, <laughs> there's no connection to me, to, to professional life and anything on my profiles. Like it's all. It's all just author, um, mm-hmm. but it's still, you know, you go on LinkedIn and you see the people that are like, you know, just throwing out their credentials and, and yep. all the, the professional stuff. I'm like, uh, 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 I just, I like staying exactly. low pro. I'm a low pro guy. Yeah. You, you, you just, your skin starts to crawl. You die yeah. a little inside. Like, oh my God, I can't do this. Yeah. I know. As always, John, it's a blast talking to you. I, hopefully we actually you know, said something entertaining to everybody else because I kind of just get lost in chit chat with you. So that's the that's the plan. I mean, hopefully somebody gets something out of this. <laughs> we covered a lot of ground. <laughs> Other people are going to have to tell us if it made sense. But uh, yep. so <laughs> yeah. I ask for feedback, like, did you understand any of that? Or was that just two, you know, you know, crusty old veterans going like, eh, oh, maybe yeah. <laughs> next time we'll have right. beers and we'll make it really fun. Exactly. Yeah, we we definitely got to link up at some point. Um, but uh, in the meantime, have a great Christmas and uh, good you. luck with uh, with Julian handling trying to take the spotlight from L. We'll see how that works uh, out. It, it yeah. well, I can already tell you, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> I'm okay with that. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, man. All have right. a great holiday, great New Year, and if there's ever anything I can do, just hit me up. All right. You too. All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs>